Good morning. It's uh, good to see you all in God's house today. I like the word too, describing various things. There are two kinds of people, those who are, can I have your attention up here guys, those who are irritating and those who are not, those who are kind and those who are not. There's two kinds of pizza, pizza that's really good and pizza that's not so good. There's two kinds of football teams, a good football team, the Denver Broncos, a bad football team, the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> Did you know that there's two kinds of anger? One is a righteous anger, a good anger, a godly anger, and the other is a sinful anger. And the scriptures in Ephesians chapter 4 talks about both. Both kinds of anger. The righteous, holy indignation that we feel over the injustices that we see in society today and the anger that festers and brews and separates people one from another. Two different kinds of anger. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27 talks about both. Let's look at the first part. This is what the first verse says. Be angry and do not, what's it say? So how can you be angry and not sin. Here's how. When you see certain injustices happening in our culture today, when innocent people are being victimized by the wickedness of others, when abortion is legalized, when medical suicide is given, when God's, aim, God's name is not honored and lifted up because of same-sex marriage or the teaching of evolution that predominates our culture, we should look at those situations and say, that angers me. I don't like that. It's not right. It's anti-biblical. Those teachings are opposed to the word of God and we should stand in righteous anger and indignation over it. Amen? I mean, but here's what many of us do. We get passive. We don't want to hurt anybody. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And so we do and we say absolutely yeah, nothing. <laughs> well, that's just kind of the way it is. That's the way our culture is. Uh, I can't really change things. And so I just have to tolerate it. Really? Aren't there things that we can do when we're filled with righteous indignation over the injustices of our culture? Can we not do something like what? Pray. Pray for a moral transformation in America. Are you still praying for that? We've talked about that many times down through the years. We pray for a moral transformation of the United States of America and that God would do it soon. Secondly, we speak. We speak out against injustices, whether it's at school or in the workplace or in our community or in the state. We speak out against those kinds of injustices. We stand on the word of God. And when the word of God is attacked by our culture, what do we say? Here is what God's word says about this. And I'm speaking the truth in love about it based on the word of God. It's so important for us to do that. What else? We can write, we can write our congressmen and let them know that we don't agree necessarily with the laws of the land that are contradictory to the word of God. We can write and then we can vote. 
One of the best things we can ever do is to vote and voice our approval or disapproval based on what the Word of God says. This is so important, guys, that we take the responsibility that God has given us and we seize the day and we vote. It's so important as United States citizens. How are things going to change if things in our culture, our status quo, opposed to the Word of God, if we don't seize the day, assume our God-given citizenship and responsibility and vote for things that are supported by the Word of God and vote against things that are contradictory to the Word of God. You know what I'm talking about. And I can't tell you how to vote, but I can tell you know what the Word of God says and let your voting be dictated by what the Word of God says, not what the state says. Because we ought to be filled with righteous indignation over the injustices that we see all around us and finally act. When you have an opportunity to act regarding those injustices, you should do so, like William Wilberforce. And you're probably saying, who in the world was William Wilberforce? Slavery was a very common thing in the late 1700s and early 1800s. And William Wilberforce knew that slavery was anti-biblical. And he said, I've got to do something. And so what did he do? For 30 years, he worked in Parliament to get a vote given that would abolish slavery. For 30 years, finally in 1833, the Abolition Slavery Act, slavery being abolished, was supported and voted on and approved by Parliament. Guess what? Three days later, Wilberforce died. Why did he do it? Because he was moved by the Spirit of God to speak out and to act out against injustices in the culture. And we need to do the same. Because many times we're just so passive and we're afraid we're going to hurt somebody's feelings and offend somebody. And I want to tell you, I'm kind of tired of that. In our culture, Christians have been silent for way too long. And these injustices prevail in the United States and we sit on our hands so many times filled with righteous indignation, but we do and we say, you say it, nothing. So here it says, be angry, but do not sin. And that's the first kind of anger, where you can be angry over the injustices of our culture, you can be angry about that, and you can do something about it. Pray, write, act, speak out, vote, all those different things. That's the first kind of anger, a righteous anger. But the second kind of anger is what most of us struggle with. It's when something happens in our life and we blow our stack and we say things or do things that hurts and affects others in a negative way, that affects that relationship. Our anger gets out of hand and suddenly two people that were previously friends in the body of Christ are now divided. It's anger that oftentimes brings up conflict in the home and separates a husband from a wife. It's anger that sometimes gets the best of a mother or father and alienates a child. It's unbridled anger that sometimes causes a person to lose his job and as a result of that can't bring home the paycheck. 60% of people that are in prison are there because their anger got out of control. 75% of murders take place because anger that was unbridled and uncontrolled. 
Look at what this verse says. Be angry, but do not sin. Don't let the sun what? Look at it again. Don't let the sun what? Go down on your anger. Yeah. In other words, when you're angry at someone, what do you do? You deal with it. You get rid of it. Somebody told me recently um, that they were in counseling with a pastor and this guy was saying, you know what, I really should be angry about my wife leaving me and cheating on me, but I don't think I should be angry. And you know what the pastoral counselor said? He said, yes, you should be angry about that, but don't let it fester and brew. You've got to let it go or work it out. When, when anger becomes so deep-seated and it goes on for days, weeks, months, sometimes years on end, it can ruin your life. It can make you bitter. It can alienate you from people. It can destroy marriages. It can ruin friendships. It must be dealt with in a biblical way. It's anger sometimes that's gotten you in trouble at school or at the workplace or in your home. And when that occurs, the Bible says in this text, be angry, but do not sin. Don't give the devil, the ESV says, a foothold. What does it mean that the devil gets a foothold? Where you become so angry, it's like he's stepping into your life, dictating your attitude. He sees the day, he's taking control, and he's saying, you really need to be bitter about that, and you need to hang on to that anger, and you need to get even, and you need to retaliate. I love that person who says, really not. That person who says, I don't get angry, I just get even. Really? Is that biblical? Is retaliation over someone else's wrong getting even? Biblical? Is it godly? It's not the way to deal with it. So you're probably wondering, how do I deal with this? What do I do? Here's the first one. This isn't working. First thing we do is we work it out. What does that mean? Matthew 18 says that if somebody has hurt you, somebody's offended you, before the listen to this, before the sun sets, before the day is ended, you go to them and you reconcile yourself to them. And you might be saying, well, what if I've offended somebody? And you know it? Go to them and work it out. You know what? We don't like to do that, though. We hope that that situation will kind of slide under the rug, that we'll get over our anger, that we don't have to deal with it. But Matthew 18 says, if somebody's offended you and you're angry at them, you can either let that anger fester and brew or you can do what's biblical. You can go to them and work it out and confess your sins to one another, be absolved, be forgiven, and move on in peace. That's how you work it out. And by the way, the scriptures say, be angry, but do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. That means you do it before the end of the day. So my plea to you is, if you're angry at someone right now, if you're harboring resentment towards someone right now, pick up the phone, go over to their house, not like right now, <laughs> but later today, and say, hey, you know what? I heard the preacher say today that I need to resolve my differences with you. I'm really angry at you. I need to resolve it. Um, will you forgive me for my anger towards you? 
I apologize, I confess it, let's live at peace. This is how Christians get along, guys. This is what God is saying to us today. Work it out. Second thing you do is let it go. Here's the deal. If people have died and you're angry at them, there's only one thing to do, and that is to what? To what? Let it go. let it go. I mean, you can be angry at that person that's passed on, but why? Why carry that vengeance and that resentment and that anger and that bitterness? Why carry it? And by the way, that's going to affect people around you. They're going to be able to tell. By the way, I've heard a good definition of what depression oftentimes is. Do you know what depression is? It's anger turned inward. Where you've not dealt with your anger towards someone else and you've allowed it to debilitate you and immobilize you so that you can't move forward with decisions, you can't move forward in relationships, you can't move forward in faith. Anger turned inward. Anger that is not dealt with becomes depression. And if a person who has passed on is someone you're still angry at, you've got to, you say it, let it go. What if they're still living? And you try to reconcile yourself to them, you try to make it right, and they aren't willing. What do you do? Then again, you've just got to let it go. And here's the best way to let it go. Number one, if you know, if you know that what you're feeling is wrong, if this bitterness and resentment and anger is just festering and brewing and overflowing and it's affecting your marriage or it's affecting your friendships, what do you do? This is what you do. You confess it. You say, God, I don't want to be this way. I know that this kind of resentment and bitterness is not healthy for me or the people around me. I know that I need to put to death the fits of rage in my life, and I'm feeling rage right now over this situation or over this person, and they won't be reconciled to me. What do I do? And God is saying, confess it. Bring it to me, and I will absolve, and I will cleanse, and I will forgive, and I will empower. I want you to think about Good Friday. Here Jesus is, relegated to a common criminal's cross on Good Friday. He's nailed to the cross at 9 o'clock, and the question, 9 in the morning, and the question I have for you is, how did God feel? How does he feel about our sin? He's angry about our sin. But what did he do with his anger? What did he do with his wrath? He showered it upon his son. Jesus Christ died for the fits of rage that we oftentimes feel. He died for it. And God was angry over our sin, but he dealt with it. What did God do? He laid his anger and wrath on Jesus. He meted it out on him instead of us. So before the sun set on Good Friday afternoon at 4.30 or 5 o'clock, God had taken his anger over our sin and given it to his son. How cool, you say it, is that? And all that's left from God is his grace and his love and his mercy and his forgiveness and his Holy Spirit. 
So the times when we lose our temper, the times when we blow our stack, the times when we harbor resentment and anger towards someone who's offended us, Jesus died for that. He paid for that sin too. And here's the marvelous thing, we can take that forgiveness and that grace that Jesus earned for us at the cross, knowing that the wrath of God has been satisfied by Jesus Christ that God laid on him the iniquity of us all and the anger and wrath, the anger and wrath, the anger and wrath that we deserved because of our sin was meted out on Jesus. And then God says to us, there's nothing that separates me from you. You're at peace with me. You're reconciled to me. You're forgiven from me. The anger is gone. Here's the deal. When you trust in Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit is working in your heart and life. And the Holy Spirit works in your heart and life to put to death the deeds of the flesh. And one of the deeds of the flesh is harboring anger and resentment for days, weeks, months, years on end. You've got to let it go. You've got to give it to the Lord Jesus Christ you got to realize that he died for it once and for all, and God has let go of his anger over our sin. We can let go of our anger towards others who have wronged us. Love it, love it, love it. Fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. What's that mean, the fruit of the Spirit? It's what the Spirit of God produces in us as a result of our faith in Christ. What does the Spirit of God produce in us as a result of our faith in Christ? This is what it produces. Love, some of you know this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. What's self-control? It's by the Holy Spirit's power and the living Lord Jesus Christ living in us whereby we say anger is not going to win the day in my life. I've referred to this song many times. Really, it's not a very godly song when you look at it. It's from Disney. It's from the movie Frozen. You know what I'm talking about? And really, all moral restraints in that song, you know, you have to let, let go of all moral restraints. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Here I'm talking about a biblical letting go. If any of you are angry today, this is the day that comes to die. At a husband, at a wife, at an a, a ex-employee, ex-boss, at a former friend, someone who's disappointed you, someone who betrayed you, someone who did despicable things to you that we can't even imagine. How long are you going to hang on to the anger? It's come here today to die. We've talked about two kinds of indignation, two kinds of anger today. One is a righteous anger, over the injustices we see in our culture, and we should feel that, but it should move us to act. The other anger is the kind of resentment and bitterness we harbor towards other people in our lives who have frustrated, disappointed, and let us down. And by the 
power of the Holy Spirit and the living Lord Jesus Christ who dwells in us. We say, through Jesus indwelling, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to let go of my anger. I can do all things. Through Jesus Christ, who gives me strength. How do you work it out? You go to them and you make peace. They're dead, but they're not willing. You simply let it go. You give it to Jesus, and you simply move on with your life. Let's pray. Father, Help us to take the word we've been challenged with today and put it into practice, God. Um, sometimes people let us down and, and we can't harbor that bitterness and resentment forever. We've got to let it go. And Lord, if there's anybody in our lives who's disappointed us or let us down, or maybe we let down and, and we know it, we need to be reconciled. We need to be at peace. And we need to talk to those people. And so, Lord, empower us by the Holy Spirit's power to do that very thing, to talk to those people and make peace when possible. For people that aren't willing to reconcile or people who have passed on, we have to simply let it go. Not hang on to that anger and resentment anymore. To put it to death, to realize that, God, you took your anger over our sin and laid it on his son. And all that's left is your grace and love and mercy. And yes, you look at the injustices of our culture and that angers you, and it should, but it also ought to anger us. So Lord, help us to move where we can, to speak out when we can, and to do what we can to put an end to many of these injustices that we've described in the sermon today. Lord, thank you again for the power of your word. I love what it says when it says this. Be angry. Be angry over the injustices of our culture. Be angry, but do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil a foothold. God, enable us to do just that by the power of your spirit. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray all these things. Amen.